had been blogging for about a year when I decided to attend my very first blogging event. Judy had organized a lunch at Cecchini in Panzano in Chianti with a group of foodies who had met on Twitter. Yes, at that time it was Twitter the place to be. She was enthusiastic, she knew everything about Tuscan food and producers and most importantly, she took me under her wing, teaching me how to introduce myself, get yourself some business cards, was one of the first advice. How to believe in myself and in my dreams. She also gave me some practical advice on how to start a cooking class business. Now, 10 years later, I still look at her as an example, as a guide and as a model for a creative business in food and cooking. She has always something new, new tours, new experiences, a new way to look at things. This is probably the biggest advice I got from her. Always being creative, always changing and innovating what you can offer with your cooking classes and edible experiences. Let me introduce you the 10th episode of Cooking with an Italian Accent, a conversation with a special guest, Judy with Francini. Before starting this new episode, let me thank you so much for all your lovely comments and feedbacks on our podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you are listening to a podcast. Rate and review the show. It will help us to be found online and build up an appetite for Italian food. Share with your friends too. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. And now, let's start. My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, juicekitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow Cooking with an Italian Accent. Welcome to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 10. Judy and I met in a little roadside bar in between Colle Valdelsa, where I live, and Certaldo, where she lives. We sat down and ordered a coffee and a mint infusion for me, and we start talking. Next to us, Tommaso and Andrea, our husbands, our first and greatest supporters. This is the first interview, an experiment for us. So be with us. And sorry for the loud music in the background. It was an aperitivo time and the bar was getting into the happy mood. Okay, so here we are. Uh, Judy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Jules. <laughs> it's very um, embarrassing, exciting for me because I'm speaking for the first time in English with Judy because usually we speak Italian. Uh, so today it's even more difficult for me to speak English. Anyway, let's start. Um, can you briefly introduce yourself? Okay, um, I'm from California and I uh, came here in 1984 uh, to study Italian and Italian cooking. Mm -hmm. And so um, what do you used to do before coming here? I worked in a five-star hotel in San Francisco and I was a pastry chef and I was going to uh, open my own shop. So I took a month to come to Paris and France and a month I was going to come to Italy because I'd never really um, been to Italy before. 
So what made you stay here in Tuscany? Uh, I loved it. They were, um, my grandfather was French. I spoke French. I studied French for 14 years. I went to France five times. I was a French pastry chef. And every time I went to France, no one was very nice. <laughs> and the first time I came to Italy, everybody was very nice. So it was a chance you were here in Tuscany. I, I wasn't planning on staying. Uh, I was planning on just studying and then going back. And then the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, the rest, is, I loved it here, so yeah. So, so you were already a chef, a pastry chef, and where did you learn to cook Tuscan food? In Tuscany, yeah, in Florence. From whom? From um, I bought books and magazines, and first I learned Italian, and then I learned Italian cooking. Oh, that's amazing. Because um, there, there really was nothing. Did you have like a reference book at that time that you used to um, The book I really love is Paolo Petroni's book. I think he is a very, the simple mama style, real, real food, real yes. cooking. Yes, yeah. and then you have a book now. Yeah, I wrote my own little book of recipes that after you know shopping in the market and collecting recipes and I married a Florentine so I got his mother's recipes and his aunt had a restaurant so I got her recipes. So a collection of what I found to be the, the simple, real cooking. So the title of the book is Secrets from My Tuscan Kitchen and which is your best kept secret? <laughs> if you want to share it with us. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think, um, I think that the simplicity of the cuisine is the real secret. I think when you see other people who think They come to Italy and they're famous chefs and they think they know what a recipe is and they go home and they write the recipe, it's always more complicated mm -hmm. and more ingredients. And I think the secret is simplicity. Your favorite ingredient? Olive oil. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And did you know about olive oil before coming to Italy? Uh, a little bit, yeah, because the place I worked, we used good quality ingredients. Oh, so, that's, that's yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. So, you started your business about 30 years ago. Who were your first clients? I had a contract with Syracuse University, the study abroad program in Florence. So I taught um, American students who were studying uh, kind of survival cooking because they came here, didn't speak Italian, didn't know anything. No, not that many people, I think, really knew about um, Tuscan cuisine. Everyone knows the Italian-American cuisine, which is mostly Sicilian mm -hmm. and Napolitano, you know, spaghetti and meatballs and yes. lasagna with mozzarella and ricotta, you know. And chicken parmigiana. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and how has your business developed in these years? I did that for about 10 years, maybe. And uh, remember, there was no internet. <laughs> so when internet first opened, I opened a website. And then I started to offer uh, one-day classes and market tours. Um, that was probably in 1997. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it built from there. And you were still in Florence at that time? Always in Florence, downtown Florence, for 20 years, downtown Florence. So the markets you were touring, they were like Sant'Ambrogio, San Lorenzo? No, I was right in front of San Lorenzo, and that's what I did was just San Lorenzo. Cause You know, it takes so long to shop <laughs> that you can't, if you go across town, you can't do that. And you know, people shop in their neighborhoods. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that's what I did. That's fantastic. And um, is this still the same market or did you notice it changed in Of course it's changed. Because you know, they, yeah. they built the upstairs artisan market and incorporated a lot of the people downstairs. And in 35 years, people have died. And, uh, and I think, too, that when I first moved here in the early 80s, it was still a mentality of after the war, when the people had a, that were running everything had lived through the war, and they didn't want their children to suffer, so they sent their children to university. 
and uh, then their kids didn't come and work with them. Yeah. And so when they wanted to retire, they often sold it to foreigners. And then little by little, it's become more international, I think. Yeah, international, a different kind of food offered. Yeah, we, I remember there was a, a store selling tripa, and now they sell uh, mainly uh, limoncello, because this is what they can no, sell to Yeah, basically yeah. it's just... There's no more Florentines in yeah. Florence. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the oldest stands still. The, the original one my friend has, whose father makes the tripe for even like the co-op grocery store and a lot of the tripe stands, um, that they have their business in Mugello, the Tiparia Fiorentina, that they're third or fourth generation. So he has that antique stand that's still running. But the other one that's also, if you look at that, you can't even see the base anymore in the marble, but it was from the original market. Yeah. So, um, you, you taught me how to teach cooking classes, <laughs> basically. I remember uh, almost 10 years ago, I wanted to change my life, and you said, you have to teach cooking classes, so you gave me lots of advice. And in all these years, I've seen that uh, my students have changed it. And what about your students? Well, I closed my school. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, so so the people that were... Uh, no, I still teach, but now I mostly do one-week programs, or if people come, they usually come for a week now and rent a villa, and then I'll do one or two classes with them at their villa. Um, my people are still the same, I think, because I also have uh, people more my age. Um, I might have some group of, like, 30-year-olds that come for their you know, birthday party or something like that, and I'll go do a dinner class with them. But I think most of my clients are older, you know, um, at least 50 or 60 or something. Not so much the young kids. They, they want to do one day still. And then it's, um, they're traveling and going and touring. Yeah. It might be their first time. Whereas a lot of my clients are returned, they come all the time to Tuscany. And let's talk about other regions of Italy uh, where you organize your tours. What do you like about Sicily? What do you like about Puglia? Um, well, actually, both of them, I think, reflect really the, that southern Mediterranean, which also reflects a lot of Greek and the trade that came through. Like Sicily, to me, is Greece and Mexico and Italy all together because of Mexico. The Spanish influence in uh, in um, in Sicily is huge. The cactus is everywhere, and the cactus fruit, and the, in uh, Modica they make the chocolate like from Oaxaca. And we used to go to Mexico all the time in the winter because there was no work here. And so I love Mexico. So there's a lot of similarities, and then also the incorporation of the New World foods into Italian cuisine. There was no tomatoes, there was no chocolate, there was no chili peppers, there was no turkey. I mean, there was like not you know what we think is Italian food. Most of it came from the New World, yes. so I think it's fascinating. And Puglia feeds Italy, so it's got all the wheat and the, the fruit and the vegetables and still kind of still untouched. It's getting to be the next Tuscany now, unfortunately, but I was just there and, you know, we went to Matera, also in Basilicata, and, and uh, the food is just breathtaking. Again, simple seasonal foods and they're fabulous. Bread with salt. Pardon? <laughs> bread with salt. Bread with salt. Yeah, I just bought a huge piece today. Yeah. I want to make the bread meatballs. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. 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 yeah Tommaso's, um, Tommaso's mom is from Puglia, from Lecce. Yeah. So when uh, his family visits from Lecce, they always bring food. So pasticciotti yeah. and rustici from Lecce, but also the oregano, which yeah. is different from yeah. the one you can get here, some yeah. dried tomatoes. Yeah. And, yeah that's fantastic. 
So if you come to Tuscany for the first time, which is the one and only food you should not miss? And what about Sicily and Puglia? I think that's hard. One of the things I think about too, because when I first moved here, I was vegetarian. So there's no, no that means no steak, no pork roast, oh, yeah. and no tripe, right? <laughs> But those are the things, and I think it's hard when people come here and they want to eat out. People here go out to eat things they don't do at home. Yeah. So a steak, fried food, yeah. you know, and maybe tripe things that take all day. Yeah. Uh, and you see it at the same restaurant over and over and over again. And so I think people also get confused on what you should eat. When actually what Tuscans eat are beans and vegetables and the, the stale bread is never eaten as bread, it's eaten with other things. So I think that you really have to understand a culture. So I have so many people who say, oh, I came to Florence and I hate the food because it's not what they think Italian food yeah. is. Yeah, that's true. So I think it's hard for people really to understand and like, they don't understand Papa Pomodoro. No. Like, what is this mush? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But everyone likes minestrone, but that's seasonal also. Um, the beans, everyone loves the beans. But it's hard because it is such a culture of eating meat when you go out. Oh, pizza, or, or uh, pizza when you go out, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that was Florentine. Oh, no, 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 but we, when we go out, like, uh, let's yeah, say, because it's with something friends. else you don't do at home. Exactly, you eat, you eat and pizza. And it's also cheaper. Yeah, than having a proper whole meal. When I, okay, when I first moved here, the dollar was, for one dollar, had 2,000 lira, and the pizza was 4,000 lira. Now a pizza's like 12 euro, and that's like $15. That's a huge, huge change in cost of living, because also the dollar has changed. But I think for Italians, it didn't get like raises. Yeah. You can't go out for a, no. a, a $40 dinner a person, or a $20 dinner a person. No, no. You don't make that much money. No. That's why we eat often at home. They ask us, which is your favorite restaurant when you, when you go out? Well, we eat at home, because in between leftovers, and everything exactly, we cook, yeah. we don't go out very often. Yeah. And if you go out, it's either for pizza. Something you can't, or, or Japanese. Or, or Japanese, Chinese, or something you don't cook yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would exactly. cost you $100 to get the ingredients to make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, okay, let's talk about um, villages, cities, towns. Uh, um, along with Florence, Siena, Chianti, and Lucca, is there uh, an underrated town or area that you would suggest to visit in Tuscany? You know, I think that's really funny too. I think, um, and I did a blog post on this because everyone goes, I'm going to Florence and then I'm going to Tuscany. Yeah. <laughs> But what do they mean? They probably yes. mean Chianti. Chianti, yeah. But then even like Lucca. That's on the list, but and Pisa, they go see the tower and they leave. Yeah. But there's Marema and there's south of Sierra, the Val d'Orcia, is where everyone really wants to go and take photographs. Tuscany is so huge. Of course, Marema with the cowboys, and it's so varied and so different. And then you go up to the hills and the mountains. People don't know you could go skiing in Abitoni. You know, they just, there's so much unspoken beauty. Yeah. So yeah. And all the Garfagnana and Lunigiana. Exactly. They don't even resemble Tuscany because they're so different. Yeah, they're, and they're, well, they were separate regions. I mean, they weren't. I mean, there was no Tuscany. Yeah. It was Florence. Yeah. <laughs> Florence and then Tuscany. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so let's talk about teaching how to cook. Uh, do you have some advice to share for those who want to follow your path? What's yeah. our path? Mamma mia. <laughs> right now, it's really hard, yeah. I think. I think everybody and their dog is teaching cooking right now. When I first came, there were no one-day classes. There were only one-week programs, like at Lorenzo di Medici, at the Badia di Coltimono, 
and at uh, Capizana. They're all in the one-week programs. And then language schools taught cooking. But there was no one that, that did one-day classes. And now everyone is doing one-day classes. So I think it's really hard for people uh, to choose or to even find them because there's hundreds yeah. now. Yeah. So I don't know. I think people, I think it's a nice combination if people have like a bed and breakfast and then teach cooking as an added mm -hmm. like package a thing. Yeah. But uh, anymore now with um, with the competition here, really, I closed my, my other school. Also because I was rented something to teach out of, I never taught in my home. Yeah, yeah. So it was very expensive for me to be doing that. And now everyone teaches out of their home, so that's very inexpensive. Yeah. And that's smart, so. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, for us it works that we are not in Florence. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's a trip, so they take the day out, they go to Tuscany. They have to rent a Florence. car, yeah. They rent a car, and then there's the market experience in Colima yeah. and then, but it's like having a day out of Florence. Yeah, which they like. Yeah. Which is when yeah. I moved to Colima uh originally there was a train there. Yeah. And they took that away. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll do one day classes in Chianti, because nobody was really doing one day classes in yeah. Chianti. And then everyone was coming on the on the bus from Florence. Yeah. They would take the bus. Yeah. I thought that was kind of crazy. Yeah. But it's still it's such a seasonal job. I just um, I think it's really hard now. Yeah. But we noticed a change uh, in the last two years. We start having requests not as in summer, but around Christmas and uh, October, November. Yeah. So maybe people are uh, changing the time they visit Tuscany to avoid the big crowds. So well, now I, my clients always would come what we would call off-season, mm -hmm. which is now high-season. Yeah. <laughs> so there is no off-season. There's no, oh yeah. Because a lot of, with the study abroad programs here, a lot of parents would come yeah. uh, when they drop their kids off at school yeah. or when they pick their kids up from school. Yeah, that's true. So that's high-season now is off-season. So usually nobody at Christmas, but some people even spending Christmas here. And I'm like, can I get a Christmas class? And it's like, that's family time. Yeah, but, exactly. But some people do it. Yeah, but we have we decided not to teach classes during like close to Christmas on Easter, just because otherwise it's hard to shop. Yeah, yeah, that's one oh thing. Oh my god! And then try to tell your family you're not going to yeah. the Easter lunch because unless you're you throw classes. them all together with your family. <laughs> I mean, that could be a fun that could experience. Be an experience. Yeah, yeah, fun. but it's yeah, also when you get the Italian families together, they're already like 35 people. So <laughs> what's another five? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they can cook for you. Yeah. So, on the opposite perspective, which is the first and most important dish that you should learn how to cook? How to cook your pasta. For mm, yes. Enough salt. How to, I would say how to use your salt, mm -hmm. how to use oil. Mm -hmm. uh, don't heat the pan when you add the garlic. Uh, heat it afterwards. The silly things can, that can ruin a dish. Yeah. Yeah. The, basi the simplicity and the basics, because even following recipes is, is hard if you've never tasted the food. And when I travel and teach, I find that the ingredients change, so the recipe changes. So I've even like tested recipes for famous chefs' cookbooks that are like out of London, but Italians, and they don't work here. So I think it's, it's very hard. Um, everyone wants to write a cookbook, and, and there, it's a guideline. You have to learn to cook before you can use a cookbook also, I think. So I would say knife skills also, and how to build a pantry. Oh, that's, that would be interesting, yeah, which ingredients are important, yeah. how to store them, like that, I think it's the example. important thing, too, like what I always did was take people to the market, mm -hmm. and then I helped them, you know, get salt and olive oil and the oregano from here that's different, you know, and, uh, and the things that will make your dish different, the fennel pollen, yeah. 
things we use, the drugs, the droge, the spezie toscani. And the little things that will make your dish stand out are really the ingredients. And if you buy them here, even if you ship them home, it's still cheaper. Oh, yes. Yeah. Than buying it in America. You know, I always speak for Americans, but. That's you know. true. That's true. Okay, so I think I have the last question. Which is your first food memory? Mm, gosh. I have a really funny food memory. Okay. Of, I want to uh, hear my this. First cooking memory. It's like, when did you start cooking? When I was young, we had these little things called an easy bake oven. Mm -hmm. That was a little plastic stove mm -hmm. or something, yeah, we had and it with a light bulb. Dolce Forno, we used to And I used there. to make those cakes. But then I was out in my, my patio in the garden one day with the next door neighbors, and I made mud pies. You know mud pies? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the little boy ate them. <laughs> and so his family took them to the doctors. And it turns out that um, the soil where I lived is like here mm -hmm. in the country. And it was very rich. And he had a, a mineral deficiency. And so his family said, the doctor said, he can eat them. Just be sure she doesn't put any rocks in them. So I had to filter out all the rocks. And then he kept eating the mud pies. Really? <laughs> There's, there's a cult of uh, black people in the south, and they eat this soil in their neighborhoods as part oh, of their religion. I've heard about this. It's a, it's a deficiency, and your body asks for that kind of stuff. But that was my first success as a wow. cook, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that was really yeah. a sign that it was your father. Yeah. And then I remember cooking for my parents one day. I wanted to make um, an anniversary dinner party. Mm -hmm. And so I was using a cookbook, and I think they said steak or something, but I didn't have any money. So I went and I bought these little slices of meat, and I marinated them, and I put sauce on them, and then I threw them in the oven. And I didn't know how long to cook it, so I ran next door to ask my neighbor. And by the time it came back, of course, they were burnt. Of course. They so I you know, just put more sauce on it, because it was definitely not a steak. No, there was sauce with some meat. It was burnt. Underneath. Yeah, it was like burnt cardboard at that point, yeah. OK, so thank you so much. Which are your next uh, tours or travels? I have um, um, a man bringing his two sons. The boy turns 40. Mm -hmm. And the father thought, oh, he's going to want to go to Thailand or you know, Mexico. Go. And the boy asked to come and do a week-long culinary program because, you know, Samin, mm -hmm. he saw the Netflix show on Samin. Oh. And, um, and so I know all of Samin's people here in Tuscany, of course. So that's no big deal. So we're going to do like a, the basics of cooking. So go to the cheese guy and go to the butcher. And um, I know the woman, Samin actually came over here to write a cookbook, help a woman write a cookbook, Benedetta, who wrote, um, mm -hmm. the, had the Zabibo restaurant. And so, um, and I met her when she was at Dario's because she was oh, just really? hanging out because she had nothing to do. So uh, people want to see, get back to the basics and learn the, the essentials of cooking. So we'll do that. So we That's have amazing. a villa with a pool and a car and we'll do cheese and we'll go to Dario's and we'll we we'll go to the butchers and wineries and take them to have some Brunello and, you know, a 40th big batch. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. Speaking about Dario, uh, you've been knowing him for a long time, before he was famous. Yeah, before he, he had restaurants. Yeah. yeah, you used to work for him. I worked, Andrea and I worked there for two years, yeah. 1996 to 1998 or 1997 to 2000, when it was just the butcher shop. So you know everyone was important in food in Tuscany. <laughs> well, I was, you know, it's, it's the kind of, I've been here 35 years. I mean, you eat and you drink and you travel around and, and uh, yeah. But I don't know, you know, the new things. But I'm like, that's not my style also. And my style is finding out the traditional 
old-style cooking. I mean, I can get ramen anywhere, you know, I mean. That's what we like, and, I mean, you know, the hipster cocktails and, you know, it's, um, there's two different schools of thought, so everybody else can be newbies. But also if someone's new to Florence, that's the thing. You know, they're finding everything that's new. I also just saw written up on, I worked at the vegetarian restaurant in Florence, my first like, job as a pastry chef, mm -hmm. when it was a private club, and it was all Italian men married to foreign women. Yeah. And I, it's still there. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. That's another really yeah. great place in town. Yeah. I mean, because people say, where can we get you know, vegetarian food? Well, half the menu is vegetarian in any of these restaurants. They might throw pancetta in it, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, yeah, that's one of the problems. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so thank you so much, Judy. Thank, thank you, you for today and for all the advice <laughs> and the help for the previous years. Thank, thank you, you again. Ciao, ciao, grazie. ciao, grazie. This is the end of today's episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. I'd love to hear from you. Do you have a mentor or someone who inspired you to follow your dreams, no matter what, who has been generous with you in terms of advice and support and cheer for you along the way? For me, this is Judy, but I'm curious to know who it is for you. Share it with me via email or with a post on a story on Instagram using the hashtag cookingwithanitianaccent and tagging Jules Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian and Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you are listening to a podcast and share it with your friends too. You will also find Judy's contacts in this episode description. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao! <laughs>